Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. On this week's episode... I start with it. I found that thing that I had been looking for. And the absurd thing is that I had absolutely no doubt in my mind that I, would, I could do it. I was just going to find these people that were on this video, ask them how they were making all this money. They were very ordinary people. They were window cleaners. Um, they were just, you know, mums, dads, police officers. I was just going to find them and that I was going to do whatever they did and I was going to make that sort of money. And it never doubted or crossed my mind that I couldn't do it. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com. Good evening, everybody. This is Richard Brook with Hero Call number 60. That's quite a landmark. We have interviewed now 60 when we get done this evening, 60 network marketing superstars that have built extraordinary four-year careers or beyond organizations in the tens to hundreds of thousands of people, and they've done it by design, systematically, by following a basic plan, not by accident. These are people that you can uh, learn from, study on, go to school on, learn to believe that you can accomplish what they've accomplished because as you'll, t as you'll learn from listening to these hero calls, every one of these people started out just like any of you that are listening to these calls, started out not knowing if they could do this, certainly not knowing how to do it, but they had something special, and that's what you're going to want to listen for is what did they have that was special that led them to get through that, that cloudiness, that darkness, that confusion, and actually get coached and pay attention and follow directions and, and come through the other side with what we all have come to appreciate as the greatest wealth-building model on the planet, and that's the residual income that you can earn through network marketing. And tonight, we're interviewing from a little town, which I cannot pronounce, and I won't even try, but I understand it is a 30-minute train ride from London, and it is the little town where the keys to London were presented to somebody. It has some historical significance, and the most famous people that live in this little town 30 miles out of London are Clive Leach and Diana Ross from Utility Warehouse, and they are hero call number 60. Clive and Diana, are you here? We are we indeed. Are. Hello, Richard. Hi, Richard. Great <laughs> to be on the call today. And it was William of Orange who was presented by the Keys, the Keys by the Knights of St. John, and we live in Burke Hampstead. <laughs> I am so glad you got that in, Clive, because I think people I think people would be just <laughs> beside themselves if they didn't have that tidbit of information. And <clears throat> so they got a little history and they know exactly where you are now and they can look you up on Google Earth and maybe even drill down on your home. You two have been involved in network marketing for uh, gosh, over 30 years, yes. uh, com combined over 50 years, and you've been with your current company, Utility Warehouse, for 19 years, which, boy, I love the sound of that, that kind of longevity and loyalty and leadership, and I imagine not every one of those 19 years was pretty in the process of building your empire, you probably had to power through some adversity and some frustration. Maybe you'll talk about that in telling your story. But um, 
let's talk about the beginning. Let's tell uh, let's tell people like how did you discover network marketing and who were you and and you know I I read in your bio, Clive, that you were a a, a fish person. Like you, I think you might have sold fish. I'm not sure. And and Diana, you told me you know you you've like had like nine jobs at one time and you did everything from clean houses to to work in pubs and all of that so that you could stay at home with your two boys um, during the day. So tell us your story. Who were you prior to network marketing? And how did you discover network marketing? And I know it's going to be a little different for both of you because you came together in network marketing and fell in love. So tell us how you, who you were and how you discovered this extraordinary opportunity. Um, well, I'll start off, Richard. Um, I had a, a pretty tough upbringing. My dad had left, and so there wasn't very much money around. So at a very young age of 14, I soon discovered that if I wanted the things that other kids had, you know, I would have to go out and work and earn some money, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, when I wasn't at school, I was working weekends, I was working in the evenings, earning some money. And um, when I got to the age of 18, I'd done very well at school. I was offered a university place, and my mother was mortified because I turned it down. Because all I'd ever dreamt about, and I guess looking back now as a young girl, it was a goal setting, um, was having a family, was having my own family. I wanted to be part of a family because I'd never had that structure in my life. And it was a huge desire of mine. And in fact, I was married at 19. And when I was just 22, David was born. Um, And, you know, the amazing thing for me was when David came into my life, um, I thought that would be it. But I was completely wrong. That's where it all started for me. That's where this desire to achieve in life and to be able to give him the best in life started. Um, And so I didn't want to leave David, not for one single minute. He was so precious to me. So what I would do is when he went to bed in an evening, I was working one night in a pub, a couple of nights in a club. I was selling cars from home. I was cleaning my neighbor's houses. Wow. I was just doing a multitude of jobs. So that I, because that was the only way I could see of, of, of bringing money in by exchanging my time for money, and it had to be in the evenings because I wasn't prepared to leave David. Then, of course, Paul came along, and um, I had to not only do sort of the eight jobs, but I did have to give up my Saturday. I took a Saturday job working in a shop selling washing machines and dryers and microwaves because I needed more money, because I wanted to give Paul the same start that I'd given to, to uh, Dave. Um, but I all, this sounds, looking back now, I always felt in my heart of hearts that there was something out there, but I didn't know what that something was. But it, I just knew it was out there. And so I carried on, and then um, something very traumatic happened to me. I, I fell pregnant. Um, I had twins. Sadly, I only had them for 24 hours. And I think as a young woman, when such a deep tragedy hits you like that, it makes you think for the first time about life and how short life can be and that you're only here once. And it it just, it was a defining moment in my life because it was the point at which I thought, I have to find this something that is out there because it is out there, but I didn't know what it was. So, um... I remember I'd gone, into, gone back to work, and one Saturday I received a letter from the chief executive uh, officer of the company that I was selling washing machines for, and he was telling me what a great job. I'd smashed through some sale targets nobody had ever hit before. And, Richard, he sent me a £10, which is like a $13, um, voucher to spend in Marks and Spencers. And you know, I looked at this, And I just thought to myself, my God, I was so angry with myself because I just thought to myself, this is all I'm worth to these people. And that was it for me. I mean, I really started looking. 
I was watching the TV, I was listening on the radio, I was reading magazines, I was looking at the papers for this something that was out there. And um, I remember getting in the car one day, finishing work, driving home, and I got to this crossroads, and I was supposed to go straight across to go home, and something made me turn right. A little bit like the film that Gwyneth Paltrow's in, Sliding Doors, where she gets on the train and her life goes in one direction, she doesn't make the train, and her life goes in another. So I turn right and I, I head down towards to see a friend of mine and I go in and I'm telling this friend that I'm really fed up, that you know the company have just insulted me, they've given me a £10, $13 voucher. And I'm sitting there and I look up and I see this video, literally just see this video. And from the distance I could see that it had all these happy smiley faces, dollar signs, pound signs all over it. And I walked across and I picked this video up and I looked at it. No name, no address, no details. I said, what's this? And she looked at me and she said, um, and this is, this is remarkable. She said, so some guy gave it to me in the cash and carry today. She said, it's absolute twaddle. She said, it's some American scam that's going around. She said, it's going in the trash. I've only watched the first two minutes of it. I said, can I have it? And she said, if you really want it. Richard, I took it home. I just ran through the door. I put it on my VCR. And when I saw 525125625, that was it. I, that was it. I found that thing that I had been looking for. And the absurd thing is that I had absolutely no doubt in my mind that I, would, I could do it. I was just going to find these people that were on this video Asked them how they were making all this money. They were very ordinary people. They were window cleaners. Um, they were just, you know, mums, dads, police officers. I was just going to find them and that I was going to do whatever they did and I was going to make that sort of money. And it never doubted or crossed my mind that I couldn't do it. So I called this company up. It was a company called La Rome. It sold copy perfume. I said, uh, hello, my name's Diana Ross. I've just watched a video of your company and I'd like to join. And they said, well, we're very sorry. You'll have to find a distributor. And they hung up on me. That was it. <laughs> I thought, what am I going to do here? So I started, I knew it was sold through Party Plan because I'd seen that on the video. And I started looking through the newspapers to see that if anybody was having one of these parties so it would get me to one of these distributors. And there it was staring me at my face. About a week later, somebody was having a party. And I remember turning up at this party late and just walking across the room. There was a lady in the background. She was putting all these perfumes back in a bag. And if you can just picture this lady, Richard, she, she'd been in the business five years. She'd been retailing, but she'd never dared mention the opportunity to anybody. She was a lovely, sweet, kind girl. And I just bound across and I said, hi, my name's Diana Ross and I want to join your business. <laughs> she, 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 honestly, Richard, her face was a picture. She, she didn't know what to do. She didn't have any application forms. She apologized profusely and she made an appointment to come around the following evening and she was going to get one of these application forms to sign me up. So I go home. Alison comes around 24 hours later but of course, I had this video, this tool in my hand, and I was so excited because I found the gift that I'd been looking for all of my life, and I was going to make some serious money, and nothing was going to stop me, and I was running up and down the street like a mad woman, in and out of my friends, my neighbors, anybody I could find, sitting down, telling them they had to watch this video. Our lives were about to change. So when Alison came around the following evening, I needed 10 application forms so, because there were 10 people wanting to join me. And um, obviously, she, she didn't have them, the poor woman. So I had to order them direct. And here's the thing. The company sent me 48 hours later 30 forms. And because nobody told me otherwise, I thought that I had to go up out and sign 30 people up and use those forms up. So that's exactly what I did over the next three or four weeks. And um, 
this very nice lady who signed me up, Alison Baker, she kept calling me and she said, Diana, would, would you come to a training? Well, Richard, I didn't have time to go to a training. I was, I was doing, going alone. I was signing up people. I was making wholesale profit. Everybody was having parties. And in the end, um, I got a phone call from Alison and her upline had called every single one of my people. There was 30 or 40 people by now, just all front level to me. And he'd invited them to do a training with them in Alison's home. So, of course, I had to show up. And I never forget this day. It was a Monday night. I was late. I walked in. There were people on the settees. There were people on the floors. There were people on the, sitting on the sideboards, the window ledges. And there in the corner was a guy with his back to me, and he had a flip chart, and he was drawing all these circles. And I took a seat, and he looked round at me, and I looked round at him. And this sounds absolutely crazy, but it, it was just instant. It was ju we just connected totally. And for those of you listening who don't believe in love at first sight, I'm telling you guys you're wrong, because that's what happened to me. And as a result of the training, and of course that was Clive, that Clive ah. did... <laughs> And as a result of that training that Clive did for those 30 people, my business over the next four weeks went to 300 distributors. The duplication kicked in. And that's why I think I've always, I always believe that the number one skill is to become a good promoter. And that's why I promote. Because of that night 27 years ago when I met the love of my life, so that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> what are you well, you know, you, you said some beautiful things there, Diana, about, uh, you know, they gave you 30 forms. You didn't know any better than to go out and sign up 30 people. And that reminds me of the Bumblebee, which, according to aeronautic science, cannot fly. The body's too heavy. The wings are too small. Yes. And fortunately, bumblebees don't read. And fortunately, nobody told you this is going to be hard. You're going to need to talk to ten people before even one person lets you show them the presentation. And you're going to have to present to five before yes. one of them gets in. I would have, Clive. Wouldn't it have been fun to have a camera crew follow Diana around? as she enrolled those first 30 people and listened to what she said to them. I, I think it was excitement. I think she was on fire. <laughs> certainly had no idea what she was doing. But right. Well, was, that's, you know, so, there's a lot more, a, a higher, much higher percentage of our total direct selling population was enrolled in somebody's first 30 days yeah. than uh, everybody else's work beyond that because kind of the ignorance on fire is pretty effective but tell us your story Clive well, um, so before this happening which changed my life but before that and um, before I became involved in marketing wet fish um, I was in the textile trade I was um, a director of quite a large company I used to travel the world and I'd uh, you know, when you're traveling the world, you know, you, you're busy during the day, but at night it's lonely. You know, you have dinner with a book. And I was in North America, um, and I'd had dinner with my book, and I went into the bar to have a nightcap, and these two American gentlemen picked up on my British accent, and they were very keen to talk to me. And they started talking to me about multi-level marketing, well, I'd never heard of multi-level marketing. In fact, the only multi-level anything that I'd ever come across was a multi-level car park. But they <laughs> drew out for me duplication. So just like Diana, the situation where you go 369, 27, 5, 1, 2, 5, you know, 5, 25, 1, 2, 5, 6, 2, 5, 7, and 8. So you, know, you know that thing I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I thought you would. Oh, and, exactly. um and I, it, I, it just hit me. I thought that was electric. I, th I, I was really, really intrigued. And they invited me to a business opportunity meeting the following night 
in the same hotel, and I was going to be based in that hotel for a week. So, of course, I went. So, like a typical prospect, I, I got in there just before it started. I sat on the back row with my arms folded and hands on my wallet, and um, all these people were in the room, and they were standing on seats and going, woo, 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 you know, because they were American, of course. And um, uh, I knew this lot was so excited, and I knew they saw vitamins and minerals, but they were so excited, I wondered what else they were on. Um, and then I saw a classic networking presentation, as I now know it to be. I saw company, company history, product, product testimonials, overview of the comp plan, income testimonials, and close. And the guy that was sort of the star of the show, he stood up, told his story, how he sold mattresses, and then got into this particular business part-time and then full-time, and made an income claim which astonished me. And after this had completed, and because there was rumor going around that this company was going to up in the United Kingdom, I was in, wheeled in front of this top income achiever, a man that is a friend of yours, Richard, and mine now, Jim Faubert. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sounds like Herbalife. I, I reconnected with Jim just a few years ago at Eric Warren's GoPro event in Vegas. Yeah. We hadn't seen one another for years and years and years. Anyway, I get back to the UK. Uh, it doesn't launch. It doesn't happen. I get out of the textile trade. I start my own business, wholesaling fish, um, which was not the best idea I've ever had. Um, I and it came about that it did launch. Chap came into my business premises. He was wearing a badge that said, lose weight now. Asked me how, and I recognized it from what I'd seen in America. I asked him how, and he went into this script. And the interesting thing was, Richard, that the script was exactly the script that I'd heard in America, but instead of being in pounds, it was in dollars. That was the only difference. Yep. So... I didn't let him know that he, I knew anything. I just bought some product to try. It worked for me. And then this chap, his name was Gary Shaw, kept hounding me every week to go to a meeting. And he must have called me. Well, the meetings were Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Saturday mornings. So he called me three times a week. It must have been for at least three months. And every time he said, yes, I'll be there. And every time I didn't go. I just, you know, excuse-itis. And in the end, I went to shut him up. And so I did go, and I walked into this room. It was the identical product display that I'd seen in America. There were less people. There was only about 25, 30 people. Um, the same music was playing, but again, it's Britain, so nobody was standing on seats going woo-woo-woo. Um, and then I saw the presentation. Long story short, I joined and um, my sponsor, Gary, was clever. The first thing he did was he got on the phone to his upline, a guy called Don Hutchinson, who was over in Belfast, and Don was making excellent money, and put me on the phone to him. And we had this nice sort of welcome chat, and I said to Don, how much volume do you expect me to do my first month? And he said, oh, about 20,000. So I did 20,000 my first month, and then 23,000 my second, and 25 and a third. And then I found out that the average rep sales was about 200. Um, so it just taught me to raise the expectations high. So long story made short, business went um, differently. Um, you know, things happened in the States. It affected the sales in the United Kingdom. I lost heart in it. And I joined another business called La Rome International selling fragrance products. And I built quite a large business. And one day, this lady called Alison Baker rang me up and said, I did a party last night. And I said, yeah. So and she said, well, you know, it's strange this woman just came up and just at the end of the party and just, she arrived late and just walked up to me and said, you know, I, I want to be a distributor. So I said, what's the problem? She said, well, I've got no forms. I said, well, come at the house. You know, I've got plenty. So she went away with a form and obviously she signed Diana up. I didn't know anything about this. Um, but at the end of the month, I got my commission statement. And on my commission statement, I was scrolling through it, and there was this name, Diana Ross. Well, it kind of leaps off the page. 
And by the side of it was her qualifying volume. And in that business in those days, most serious distributors were qualifying her first month doing just over £2,000 worth of business. Diana had done more than 10 times that. She was done about £26,000 <laughs> worth of business. So I rang Diana up and, you know, sort of said, well done. And we had a convivial conversation. And then Alison rang me up worried because Diana wouldn't go to training. And now, I know Diana's told you one story, but what Alison said to me was that Diana didn't see any value in the training because she was too busy. So I said, well, let's invite her team to your house because Alison had a nice home. And um, we'll get all these people in the front room and I'll do some training. And then, of course, on the night, I turn round and there's this gorgeous creature sitting on the floor in front of me. And uh, that was it. I was gone. I was blown away. In fact, I even lost my place in the training. And um, (laughs) and away we went, really. We got together real quick. Um, We left our previous lives behind us and started again. Uh, We didn't have very much money, hardly any. And um, we rented a... well, we called it a shed. It was a fairly poor house. And um, you take over from there, Diane. Well, we had, had, I had my two boys. Clive had a son. And a great Dane. We had a couple of dogs, and Clive had nothing at all. He had a dustbin bag, trash bag, uh, with some clothes in it. And we literally um, started to just work so hard at this business and, you know, we made, in the three years, we made enough money to buy ourselves a very simple house. But, you know, we bought a house. We managed to get enough money together to buy a car, but a simple car, but, you know, we had a car. But, but here's the thing, Richard. You know, we'd learned the skills. We had belief in ourselves. We knew what to do. We just had to find a company. And uh, very quickly, I found a, a brochure with some very nice costume jewelry, Uh, in it and um, I called the company up we went to see them it had been trading five or six years Uh, it was trading in many parts of Europe and um, we just worked like we've never worked before and we very very quickly within nine months we were our check at the time uh, was 36,000 pounds a month which would have been the equivalent of over 70,000 dollars a month but very sadly, after two or three years, the company started expanding, you know, into too many countries too quickly. And uh, we then had to cast around them. But no time did we think we were going to go back into the land of the salaried. No, um, definitely Because networking not. was in our blood. Um, and when we resigned, Richard, our check, we, you know, it was a big check to walk away from. But again, you know, integrity came into it. We couldn't bring people into what we believed to be. Um, a failing business. So we then stumbled across an opportunity in the States and we started talking to a very nice American gentleman and he let us know that the company was about to be launched um, in the UK. So we were excited about that. We knew we'd learned the skills. We knew, you know, that networking was in our blood and that's all we were going to do. And um, we joined the day, literally, the company opened up in the UK, and we probably worked harder than we ever worked in our lives. Well, we got to uh, the top level in the compensation plan, which is called Diamond, and the previous guy that got to Diamond before us took two years. It took us... Uh, took us four months to get to yeah. Diamond in the UK. Wow. And, um, but but, but it is a, there is a regret to it. Uh, I worked so hard that I actually ended up in hospital with pneumonia. So it's not something I would do again. We we didn't we we, we went off a bit you know seven we went, days. We just went crazy. We went crazy and you know. But anyway, um, so we worked extremely hard. The money was coming in. Everything was wonderful. And then two years down the line, we turned up at head office in Manchester, and it had been shut down in the U.S. and shut down in the U.K. We came, we, we, we just rolled up at a business, at a building that was closed. Just like that. Just like that. No warning, no nothing. Just gone. So we thought, shucks. Um, so well, we were still going to stay in network marketing because we had the absolute belief that network marketing, we proved to ourselves that we could do it and that it worked. We just had to find the right company. So I'm going to pass you over to Clive because we then joined the company 19 years ago 
that we've been with ever since. Yeah, we got a phone call um, and asked to go and look at this company, the utility warehouse, and we drove down to their head office, which at the time was a converted public house. They employed eight people, and we were presented with the compensation plan. And I, Di and I were there, and we both took notes independently of one another. We always do. And I got lost, which for me is unusual with a comp plan, but Dana being a mathematician, I, I was relying upon her to, you know, sort it out. So when I got in the car to her, I said, uh, I got lost in there, how do you get on? She said she got lost too. And I said, well, what do you think? She said, I smell money, you're going to do it. Um, <laughs> obviously she meant we, because on the way home, we started getting excited by the concept of it, and, we, and I was driving, and Diana was scribbling down in her journal uh, a list of people that we were going to approach. Because it was very much a concept. I mean, we had to gather, start gathering some customers, but we didn't have a product for six weeks. Well, service. A service, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, anybody that thinks it's easy at the beginning, believe me, it's, it's, it's really hard. It to... was an interesting <laughs> exercise in future vision. Yeah. But we had the vision. We knew what was, co what was you know, coming. We had the belief in ourselves. We had the belief that the people behind the company. And now, 19 years on, Telecom Plus PLC Utility Warehouse it's is... It's a huge business. It's huge. A, I mean, it's a monster skyscraper in North London. They have more than 800 people in their call center. It's listed on, fully listed on the London Stock Exchange and is in one of the top 250 companies in Great Britain. So it's a big business now, and we're very proud to be ambassadors of it. Um, so, so tell, us, tell yeah. us about how you got started in Utility Warehouse. So, you know, as I listen to your history, somebody might think, well, you know, they had all this experience which led to their success in utility warehouse but most people that i interview that have the kind of experience you did where one company after another that you join goes out of business most people they lose their belief and their faith in the business model and in themselves and even though they may keep starting over in a new company, they're not successful because they're dragging all that baggage into the new opportunity. So what was it about how you saw yourselves and the network marketing opportunity that had you go into Utility Warehouse and, and do it again, believing, because you know, they weren't a big company when you started, right? Right. No, gosh, no. Six, six people in a call center in a disused pub. <laughs> yeah, so they were a little tiny company, yeah. which, you know, which could mean that, oh, my gosh, they could be just as at risk of going out of business as the last four or five things that you'd been in. So what was it about your attitude and your belief and, your, and what was the story you told yourself that had you engage with that childlike belief again? I think... I think for me, Richard, um, I'm a very determined person, and I don't like to give in. I don't like to lose. And I knew that this thing called network marketing worked. I just knew it. And the thing with Utility Warehouse was it was the vision, the vision of, one day we will bring on board electricity. One day we will bring on board gas. One day we will bring on board um, mobile, telephony. mobile telephony. One day we'll have internet. And it was the thought of, you know what, I just have to gather the customer once with this one product, at the, one service at the moment. But over time, I've just done the job once. And then a customer is going to be taking all these other services and I mean, as it stands today, you know, we have 180,000 customers taking over half a million services. Uh, and I it was the vision for me, the vision, the belief in myself, the belief that Clive and I as a couple could do it, the belief in the industry, and the determination. I was not going to stop 
until I found the right company. And that's Diana's, very much Diana's thinking. My thinking was slightly different in that in the United Kingdom at the time we were going through a period of deregulation. Um, we had some major traditional companies coming into the marketplace uh, offering these sort of services in traditional type sales environments. I was aware of, um, of an American company called Excel that started from nothing and gone to an IPO and done exceptionally well at the time. Um, and so I, was, I got the concept and I had faith in the new management of this business to put together the business and the management that was going to be required to run it. And our job was to go and build the distributor network. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so, and so you that, did that. That was, that, was, that was the thinking. What we did, of course, was we started talking to everybody we knew. One of the challenges we had, of course, as you pointed out, that in the network marketing community, when somebody gets, you know, has an unpleasant experience of a company going out of business, it's like, ooh, you know, and they all get a bit weary of it. So we had to go back to some new people and some people who was, you know, in networking where we had very strong relationships with, um, and we, we introduced people to this business. I think we introduced probably 30 people in our first 30 days. It was um, mainly fresh people, though. Mainly fresh people. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, the people that we brought on in the very early days, some of them you know, disappeared, <laughs> but nine of them that we certainly introduced in the, in the first, first six, six months, months. Yeah, yeah, first six months, are still with us today. Wow. And are very, very important parts of our business. There are nine strong legs. <laughs> and so out of that, you have, uh, looking at your stats here, you have 15,000 active distributors. You have 178,000 customers in your group. And yeah, get, yeah. get this, folks, their business does in U.S. dollars $350 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, if, Clive and Diana, if your distributorship was a U.S.-based network marketing company, you'd be in the top 25 companies wow. in wow. the United States. Just your distributorship. That's interesting. I think what I pride myself on, Clive does, is we have 27,000 distributors, and at any one time, 14,984, we have the figures, are active, which I'm, yeah. you know, that's over 50%. That's yeah, that's fantastic. At the same, same time, time, but within a three-month period. But within a 90-day period. Yeah. So we've got some people who are incredibly consistent, and they're the, the boys and girls, men and women, that go on and do extremely well. And then we have other people who become active and then put it on the back burner, become active and put it on the back burner. But once, of course, they've done the job, they keep getting paid. So sometimes they stop because they're satisfied with their income level and then they come back in for whatever reason. And right. others, they just keep going. You know, and, and it's fascinating to see those sort of people emerge and become leaders and coachable, and they're, they're exciting. Yeah. So, you one of the things that I asked you in your uh, pre-interview was, you've been in the business now 19 years in utility warehouse, and you have this huge business, and one of the things that you said was, out of 19 years. You're uh, at year seven. At year seven, your organization ran away from you, and your participation in the business was no longer required. And I'm sure that doesn't mean that you stopped serving and leading and supporting and even recruiting. But if you could speak to like, what did you do the first seven years besides sponsor a lot of people? 
what did you do the first seven years compared to what you've done the last 12 years? Well, we, we were both good at sort of various um, aspects of the business. We were both good recruiters. But what we majored on was I, I would recruit you, Richard, and I would help you. I would get straight into your center of influence. Into your list. Into your list. Yep, right. And work with you on that list. Um, to make sure um, that you know we were pulling in some recruits for you, and Clive would work very much on training and developing the people. So it, we worked very well hand in hand, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, well, really? we, we, we both did a, a lot of um, grassroots recruitment, going living room to living room. Yeah. And so let's pretend, Richard, that of an evening you're in somebody's living room, um, part of a small group of people, and you joined. I would sit down with you. I would then find out your hot list. I would then encourage you to invite people to your front room. I would go along and help you present the opportunity. And from there, I met Julia. And I'd do the same with Julia. And I'd go down three or four levels deep. Um, and then once I got that little that unit working and bonding and all the rest of it, creating a family, then I'd move on. And one of the very important things we set up on our own, because... Obviously, our company have an outstanding uh, training program. They have career opportunity meetings all over the country, but there was nothing like that in the early days. So the career opportunity, the initial career opportunities, were in our kitchen, in our lounge, in our front room, you know, upstairs, on the landing. Literally. Literally. We we started off, and and, and this is something that I really feel very strongly about because it yeah, I think it was one of the things that really made our business. When we started, nobody knew nothing from nothing. So we decided to have an open house on a Tuesday night, and people would come round for a cup of coffee and um, a cookie or whatever, uh, and we would just chew the fat about how we were going to make this thing work. Then one of our distributors, a chap called Stephen Longworth, brought a guest. And that guest got a seven-on-one presentation signed <laughs> uh, up through fear and did nothing. Um, but it started then that we would have an opportunity presentation in our front room every Tuesday night. And it grew. So what happened then was we had an opportunity meeting in, the, in, in our front room. In the kitchen, we had training. And it grew again. So we had an opportunity meeting in our front room, training in our kitchen, training in our dining room. And then one night, it got so mad busy that there were people on the stairs, there were people in the hallway, there, there was even a couple upstairs, but I'm not quite sure what they were doing. And um, I walked around to the local pub and said, Do you got a, have you got a function room here? They said, yes. I said, can you put 40 chairs up really quick? They said, yes. Uh, we agreed a price. And then I went home and I said to everybody, excuse me, follow me, we're all going to the pub. They all thought they were going for a drink, but that was the first proper yes. career opportunity presentation that we did. And from that, it just spread nationally over a period of time. And they were fun opportunity meetings. There were people, you know, bringing guests week after week. There were people bringing policemen to meet other policemen. There were people bringing in... Uh, uh, taxi drivers, taxi doctors, drivers uh, doctors, nurses, teachers, and, uh, all sorts of and people. And the guests would walk in and feel so comfortable because they would see other taxi drivers, other teachers, other policemen. So we built our business very much based on... Um, a career opportunity meeting, and of course we expanded them throughout the UK. So, what have you done the last 12 years since you <laughs> created that explosion of geometric progression and momentum? I think we've created fantastic leaders in our business, haven't we? Yes. That That is the key. We have from all those hundreds and hundreds of people that we've brought into the business, we have nine, probably nine good leaders, front-level leaders, and we've just taught them to duplicate us, Richard, and, and they have done exactly that, and it's pushed down through the network to hundreds of levels. Do you know how many levels we go down to? I've kind of lost sight. Just a lot. It's a lot. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just looking. Um, it's, it's just the pure duplication and them 
watching what we do rather than us telling them what to do we were very much worked in our business you know we were recruiting we were gathering customers we were running cops we were running trainings once you says cops she means a career opportunity presentation the the thing i would say though richard although we were definitely non-essential to our income after our first seven years we didn't realize it probably until about year 10 i would think yeah and then we suddenly realized that we were non-essential so we we changed direction we became more of a resource more of a coaching type environment we still we still introduce people uh more mentoring more that sort of thing and now of course things have really moved on and today you know we work more on our business rather than in our business if that makes sense yes um so what are some of the things that you do with your leaders to develop them do you hold retreats do you hold contests do you have leadership development programs or is it all lead by example do you have well, any we're very fortunate we're very fortunate that our organization uh, in the main certainly the main bits that are really 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 strong have all been in have all took up personal development um, our frontline leadership and the leadership that's closer in the first few levels have been because of us and because of our the way that we communicate with people and the way we talk about personal development you know we do firmly believe that this business and this industry really is a personal development school with a business tacked onto it yep. um, and so we, we we've hammered that over the years and now that's just perpetuates um, so we have run uh, competitions in the past we have run uh, 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 we've, we've taken leadership schools we've taken our leadership to Spain and uh, for a long weekend in a hotel that sort of thing but that's not the be all and end all the, the the real core of it is getting people into books audio material videos stuff that they can just watch listen read to for 30 minutes a day it makes a massive difference and getting yeah. them obviously to take action you yeah. know because you can get people that just read books listen to tapes and read books and listen to tapes but taking action making a plan is too what we're very big in you know we'll sit very down big. with we'll sit down with somebody and our people now do this with their people is they'll sit down with a new distributor and we'll dig deep to find out why that person has joined rather than oh it seemed like a good idea at the time you know we'll really dig deep to find out what their needs and wants are and then we'll do our best to create a plan around them their existing um, accelerated job uh, their lifestyle their family etc and how this will fit into the nooks and crannies of the day and how we can then do that because basically we have four quadrants the first one is you join you can make some money get out of debt there's a lot of people with you know debt nowadays the next quadrant would be something a bit more meaningful something that would enhance their lifestyle um, you know better housing better car that sort of thing and the next thing of course then is you know saying goodbye to your boss if that is appropriate at an appropriate time and for those people that are really 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 serious and really prepared to work consistently for a period of time then of course the sky can be the limit well you two have just done a beautiful what a beautiful career you have especially the last 19 years it just warms my heart to listen to people that have such great leadership depth and vision and heart for their people and that you have put together a 19-year career, $350 million a year U.S. in sales, um, over a quarter of a million customers, and your distributor-to-customer ratio, Clive and Diana, is phenomenal. I mean, that's, that's uh, my gosh, it's almost like 20 customers per active distributor. You, you guys are just 
remarkable role models in our profession. Do you have plans in the future to share your wisdom and your experiences with the rest of the network marketing community? Well, that's a very interesting thing. One of the best things that I've ever done in this business is that Diana's eldest son, David, who's lived in a network marketing house since he was age 10. I know David. You know David, yeah. Well, eight, was it eight or nine years ago? About eight years ago. David had built his own business and franchised it. He had built some drama schools and he franchised them very successfully. And I was up at his house and in an afternoon and I found he was twiddling his thumbs doing very little. And so I came back, talked about it to his mum, and we made David an offer to actually come into our business uh, as a joint partner in our distributorship. It's a bit risky, but it <laughs> turned out that it was, um, he's been a massive asset to um, our business. And he has a massive fan base of his own, uh, he, and I'm very, very proud of him. He's done exceptionally well. And it's really cool when your stepson rings you up and says, um, I've just been out for breakfast and uh, been up in the helicopter with Jordan Adler. Or I've just had breakfast in Manchester with Todd Falcone. Or I've just been talking to Richard Blissbrook. Just, you then know that your boy is hanging out with the right people. He's yeah. in with a good crowd. Because ever since he's been a little boy... He's always been, and people need, you know, people listening in on this call, please, please, please think about this. This business can massively affect your kids. I see the life that my son, who is 38 years old now, leads. I see the people that he hangs out with. I see the happiness um, that he has, and that is all being brought about because his mum one day, who was, cleaning houses and, you know, um, selling washing machines, found a video and decided to give it a go. And met me. And met Clive. Too Richard, it so can empower your kids, this business, so much. But anyway, David rang us up uh, a little while ago and said, I want to take you out for dinner, book a really expensive restaurant. So we did, and we went out. And he presented us with a manuscript of a book they'd written. We had no idea he was doing this, hadn't got a clue. Um, so it's just in the final stages now. It's called Mindset Before Matter, and it'll be available in a few weeks' time. Um, and it's so wonderful because he's dedicated it to myself and Clive, and I don't think it gets much better than that. Money, and, 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 money can't buy that, Richard. And you get a mention in there too, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, well, yeah. I, love, I love the title, and I would love to read it. He, well, uh, well, when, the, when, it's, when we have it in print, we'll make sure you get a copy, and obviously we will publish, publicize the fact that when it's available, it's going to be just a few weeks, and then it'll be up and running. Mindset Before Matter. But, Mindset but it, Before Matter, great title. You know, this business is brings, has brought so much to my family as well. So um, I love it. It's in my blood. It will never leave me, and... I do it now because I love it, and I can't stop. <laughs> and yeah, this is well, now it's, you know, it's because you know I'm. As you mentioned, you know, I've been in business for well over thirty years. Um, I'm not a young man now, uh, so it gives me the opportunity to pick and choose. I can do the bits that I like, work with the people that I enjoy, and just take life as it comes and be comfortable and happy and content <laughs> and, you know it's it's just for me if i can just help that one more person you know maybe empower somebody maybe give them that belief that they can do it um we were at gopro a couple of years ago i go to the gopro lady events i get a lot from meeting the ladies speaking to the ladies and uh, meeting people like you richard phenomenal people that have done so much for this industry jordan todd falcone eric and marina um, it's just a great community it's fabulous yes it is it is um it is so much fun and um 
so rewarding and so rich in relationships all over the globe. And even though many of us are technically competitors, we are more importantly collaborators, and we champion each other because you know we know that as a profession, we have a long ways to go to establish ourselves with respect and and admiration and understanding in the marketplace. And the best way to do that is for more and more and more of us to succeed ethically outside of London. And yet people are going to get to listen to this, uh, you know, tonight they're listening to it live, but, you know, once it gets up on iTunes, uh, people will be able to listen to this for 10 years and, and listen to your story. And what I would encourage all of you that are listening to just pay attention to is pay attention to how inspiring for Diana and Clive the geometric progression model, which is often just referred to as the drawing of the circles, whether it's three who get three, four who get four, or five who get five. Once people understand that, once they understand how that happens and why it happens and how that can create such massive sales volume and commissions, they often get as motivated as Clive and Diana did to rise above their skepticism and their bias and even rise above the concern about how they look to their peers or their family or their friends, you know, is there is their occupation an admirable, respected one, or is it just one that's going to make them wealthy? Pay attention to that and learn to draw those geometric progressions for people, which is in their first 90 days. And then they, they averaged about 50 people a year. That's about one a week. And how do you enroll one person a week? Well, it's pretty simple. Just, just do two or three or four presentations a week and you'll easily enroll one person a week. And how do you do three or four presentations a week? Well, you've got to ask 10 or 15 people if they'll sit down and sit still long enough for you to do one. <laughs> and, you know, that's the essence of our business is just asking people, telling people our story, and asking people if they just look. And I think too often – you know, people are out there trying to convince everyone to do this. Mm. And you got to realize, you know, most of us said no the first time we looked at it. And most people are just too busy. They're too on their, on their own track. They have them wrong for having a job or not seeing it or even arguing with you about whether or not it's a viable business. You know, if you want to contribute to the reputation of our pro- profession, folks, don't argue with people. Don't make them wrong. You probably had the same opinion at one time, and you were deeply convicted in it. And the way we're going to change people's opinion about this profession is to be attractive. And people that argue and make other people wrong are not attractive. So, you know, be patient with people. And you might say, well, if I do all of that, how do I, how do I sponsor enough people and the secret to that is be attractive, be the kind of person people want to be around, and talk to a lot of people. You know, you're not going to be successful in this business talking to three or four people a week. It's just, that's just, you know, that's like a traditional marketing company doing a television advertisement once a month or a print ad once a month. It's just not enough to break into the marketplace. If you want to break into the marketplace and get your car over the hill, like create some momentum, you've got to market. You've got to promote. You've got to fill your pipeline with people who are at least considering the possibility of them doing this because the reality is most of them won't. And so if most people won't and you only have a few people considering it, well, you can see why most people are not successful in network marketing. It's called net work, work your network, and it's called marketing. And you've got to put the three of those together, and you've got to do it with intensity and passion and purpose. And, and just like Clive and Diana, you know, if it doesn't work out the first time, well, you could quit, or you could dust yourself off, pick yourself up, <laughs> 
and go after it again. You got a beautiful story, you two, and I look forward to seeing you again, probably in December. You coming to Vegas in December? Yeah, we are. Definitely. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see Kimmy. And And all the gang. And all the gang. And uh, congratulate Kimmy on her new book. Yeah, we'll send you one. You'll love it. It's really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. And thank you for having us on the call. Yeah, you're welcome. And you too. Have a wonderful week. And good night, everybody out there in Bliss Business Land. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you in two weeks with another Network Marketing Hero. Thank you, Richard. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.